it's strange that a person that is exposed to noise as, as a baby or even as a youth will become something else, will become a heavy sleeper. And the brain can actually turn off and it's not them being nice. It's, it's not it being less aggravating. It is they're, they're out. And we're live. You first. There we go. Well, hello, lurkers and bots. It is 2020-12-27. This is episode 36 of Lucid Indifference. That's lucidindifference.com. Now uh, we're doing our second. Sorry? There's a lot of things I didn't do. Oh, okay. Well, one of the things is to make sure that you don't talk over me so that I can get the sync right early on. (laughs) Because it's hard. (laughs) So... Um, you want to get your game going. This is our second video stream. So we're going to do it with a different game and we're going to obviously have some issues with, well, as a start, I'm not seeing, I'm seeing a black screen from you, from Jamie. Jamie is the, the tool we're using guys for, uh, kind of sharing screens with one another. So I don't have to download everything, stream everything down from Twitch. And right now... You're seeing my video, correct? Yes. Um, okay. I'll just do Hades. Are you sharing a desktop? I mean, I don't need to see your gameplay necessarily, but I will commentate when you die. That would be great. Okay. We will figure ourselves out right now, and then it will be done for the future. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Just be have everything set up just so, and never update anything again. If only... Well, unfortunately, the the world keeps moving, so unfortunately the world and the software breaks. I'm not really sure what's going on. Okay, so what are you trying to do? Did I not? Oh, uh, okay, let me just shrink this. You need it. We should go over a checklist. Properties, window, this one. Sounds like you're playing with OBS. Uh, that's weird. Why is it not showing up? Oh, the game froze. <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's a triple-A game. Why would it work yeah. consistently? That'd be silly. I mean, it isn't out of beta yet, so... No game that's all mine is out of beta. Ever. There we go. Now it's recognized. Bam, we have visual. Good. So you found... Um, in this game case, what are we doing? We're playing Destiny 2? <laughs> Hades. Really? Why, why not Destiny? It's way more interesting. Destiny's more of a social game when this one is more of a... You wanted to do grinding? Is that not appropriate? (laughs) Is that too social? Mm. I mean, you could do dungeons and stuff like that, right? Because nobody cares about anybody else. I mean, is this other game important to you? Will it do anything for you in life? You haven't... Do you want to talk about how involved you are with Destiny? Because that's pretty significant. I view any video game can help you in life, whether or not you decide to use what you learn from those games somehow into what you do. Like, this is just essentially making my, getting me, getting my fingers to go, to make my character go wherever I want him to. And the worst way to explain this. Uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really appreciate the opportunities for me to sit back and, and it's not, it is funny. 
Okay, it is funny listening to you try to explain yourself, but it's it's excellent practice, and I want to encourage you at every moment. I think if I can interpret, get the Ouija board out, the audio Ouija board, is uh, I, I want to take uh, an antagonistic perspective. Um, and it is what you just said sounds like the excuse made by somebody who's wasting their time and you want to just justify wasting your time. And there's a difference between leisure and doing something that's related that will kind of, uh, you know, the, the percolation or sharpening of the saw, you, you change to a related task and then that related task is, unto itself is kind of a waste, but there's some stuff that maps over to things that do matter in life. You just need a break from the things that do matter in life and it will refresh you, recharge you. Is, are you making the argument that this other game matters because you're still gaming and it will let you go back at, at stronger, stronger into some other endeavor? Is that your argument? Yes, as long as... I'm feeding you an argument. <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. Okay, well, um, I can't contest that because I don't know your mind. Uh, I will say, however, that in terms of this podcast, that is not an interesting presentation. That is not a very interesting game, to me at least. Um, can I can I see? Because I don't want to turn Twitch on, if I can at all. See the that. game? And I'm not, I'm seeing just black. I'm seeing a black oh, screen from uh, Jamie. Hold on, let me just. So if the stream is fine, the stream is fine. That should do it. You know, it really depresses me. We took a bit of a break and now our, our bots don't come back. Oh, it's still pointing to the wrong thing. Um, oh, there we go. Okay, so now I am seeing the game. I mean, technically speaking, I can full screen this and it would be kind of be all nice and stuff. And oh man, does it look terrible. Let me just give it a moment to actually. Yeah, that just looks terrible to me. Does it look okay for you on Twitch? Because that's yeah, all I care should. about. Actually, I do care about it looking good. Nope. See, this is a problem that we had before, and I'm uh, sorry for people listening at home. Okay, never mind. I'll switch over to Destiny. <laughs> Woohoo! I was totally lying about the graphics. It looked great. This is my cutting plan. No, no really I just blew like... a possible good yeah, run, and I don't want to go back to it any right now. Wow, so your laziness actually helps you improve your life. <laughs> Somehow. Okay, so... I, I mean, it is a, it is a dream of mine to be able to go through a list of ideas that I think that I'm going to be talking about. And I kind of have a note that says that I should go over bullet points, but honestly speaking, I really never know where I'm going to go. And I know this is kind of a flaw in the plan because I know a person wants to get to know what they're going to get into. That was actually one of our early points of feedback when we were kind of beta testing things with the people we know. And it was, you know, what am I? And the, the thing is, maybe I think too highly of myself. I have listened to my old shows. I, uh, I am a man of great taste. And so when I listen to the old shows, I really enjoy it. And I think the, the difficulty is that a person that's fairly new, that's being introduced to us is going to have to slog through boring stuff before they get to the really uh, the stuff that really grips a person, a person's attention, the interesting topics. And I don't necessarily know what topics I'm going to be going into. Um, I do, I want to talk about um, some problems with uh, gaming in general and a couple of the traps that specifically the game that I'm 
I'm playing currently, World of Warcraft, a couple of the traps that they have fallen into over the years. And I've, I have had this uh, line of thinking for many years now, so I think I'm fairly articulate about it. I had a, a practice run with somebody in real life talking about this, and it was it came surprisingly easy. I hadn't really thought about explaining it. And I think a lot of things are kind of like that, where um, something might be bugging you and you haven't thought about it directly, and then later maybe you kind of think about it, and it all really comes together when you explain it for the first time and it just happens it just it it goes well it goes well it flows off of you and it's uh, in this particular case it's something like uh it was more a monologue thing rather than uh, being asked questions and things like this i had something to say and that tends to be very good podcast material so i'm gonna i'm gonna open with that and the rest of the stuff i mean i've got a lot of administrivia i still haven't really figured out but I definitely want to get into the new Mac stuff because I was right. I was right about everything that I had talked about before. And a lot of time has passed and I'd love to just point at that episode number and just go, see, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Um, and I may, like, I'm probably not gonna bother too much and enough time has passed that it's not like my insight is not unique. So I don't have to feel too special about that and everything out. Everything else, yeah, really is going to be uh, a fair amount of administrivia, but we'll see where we go. We'll see. Um, so I guess the first thing is, uh, I'm not seeing gameplay. Is that something you want to do? I have to change the display settings because... Oh, you have to be in windowed mode instead of full screen? Yep. Yeah, that's a common one. That should be um, 30 seconds, I, let's say. It's been several minutes. So while you work on that and maybe a scene change in OBS, I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm, so I'm going to start by talking about World of Warcraft then. So, um, I didn't start playing this video game, uh, right at the beginning, uh, right at the beginning. I would, I would, I'm sure I was playing other games and I don't really know why I got into it, but it was interesting. It was one of the, the most successful early MMOs. It, it really did pick up steam and I did fall in love with it well enough to have gotten into being quite social and stuff like that. And if you're fairly new to games in general, if you're fairly new to a particular genre, let's say, getting into the social side of things might not be your thing. It wasn't my thing, but it happened. It happened. So I can, I can say with reasonable confidence that my past self really did enjoy things. And when I was a kid, I read this, I, I was a moderate reader and I read, I liked fantasy fiction, you know, the old elves and dwarves stuff before it was cool. And one of the series of books, cause there's a, I mean, authors have to eat. So they often will riff off of their early work and they might have a one-off book and then it becomes popular enough that they like decide retroactively that it was the entry point into a series and then they write the next book and the next book and i, I read something called the sword of shannara and um i didn't know any better so uh it it's good right but i didn't know any better so i don't know how to judge it in hindsight well enough because i kind of stopped reading a lot of that stuff hey i'm seeing destiny now and um and so and i read the next book in the series and the next book and i realized that it was derivative 
that there were so many elements that were just playing off of earlier stuff. And that is something I had in my head in terms of fiction, entertainment, let's say, that when I saw that in World of Warcraft, um, well, I could see it as a start. I could see it. And so I, I noticed that there was stuff that was ideas that were being recycled. And I'm not talking about lore. Like you have storytelling in a book. And so when you've got story elements or character elements or plot elements that you recognize from previous things, um, and that there's a lot of it, there's a lot of TV that, that's like that. I mean, forgivably, cause it's bubblegum and it's kind of just meant to continue. So it might be a good show, but it's kind of samey, samey. And that might be a good idea cause you want some consistency. Cause if you liked the, if you liked the previous episode, odds end up being good that you like the, the one you're sitting in that you're still watching. Odds are going to be good that you're going to like the next episode. So that's, that's good for a video game. Yeah, I would say that's probably a good idea to have consistency. So what I want to talk about is the expansion concept for the game. Now, Blizzard, they charge a, uh, a recurring fee. So they've got a subscription fee and the subscription fee I maintain is a, I mean, they're getting away with it, which I really strongly disagree with. Um, I don't like it. it I'm, I did calculate how expensive it is to play this game. It's something like $200 a year. Uh, or every two years, I think, because every two years you're, you've got some additional content. So it, it changes the, the math in terms of what you get versus what you're paying at any rate. So they've got the expansion concept and there are two fundamental flaws that they make in terms of bringing out new content. The first thing is they want to shake it up. They want to make it all new and fresh and all this kind of stuff. They're making the assumption that their players get bored of what exists. And I don't understand that concept because I kind of come, this is game stuff. So it's, it is software stuff. I come from a more pure software direction where they will, uh, you want iterative improvements. So you want what you had plus fixing your bugs as a start. And if you do, you insert entire new features. You don't shake things up. You don't shuffle things around. You don't do anything that's too challenging for your existing user base to get into. Now, the exception has been the notable exception to me is been Microsoft is something like Microsoft office. There's another technique that they introduced. I find it incredibly confusing. I can't remember what the term is. So normally you would have a menu and it would be really obvious, you know, file edit, this kind of stuff. And you know, file, save, file, close, file, exit. And it's pretty consistent. And they created this drop down with icons and each of them has drop downs. And sometimes that's on top of having the traditional file stuff. And so they were, I think they were just creating a new concept for their stuff and inserting it into everything in order to, I don't know, were they patenting it or something dumb? It, it was awful. And it's hard to use. And World of Warcraft inserted this, they make these changes and it is a guarantee that some of those changes will be a good idea and a guarantee that some of them will be terrible, that they won't be well received, partly because people get used to, you know, they, you get the curmudgeon perspective where you'll get used to, um, things being just so, and you kind of evolve into 
the uh, you get comfortable with it. People will grow and adapt into the nuances of how things work. And they kind of fall in love with stuff. And the thing is, this is an MMO. So this is a role-playing game where a player is, by the definition, and you can argue because that's really a nuanced thing. So the player, it, it is unsurprising when the player really melts into their character and really appreciates their character. And the mechanics are right there, right alongside of them being invested in that actual character on screen. And so when the mechanics are changed, when nuances are changed, the bond between that, um, man, what's, what's the term that avatar and the player gets messed with. And so that's a very disruptive thing that happens expansion to expansion. So that's problem one is they keep doing that and they keep doing that without necessarily learning from the mistakes of the previous changes like this. And boy, do I want to continue with that line of thinking? Because the other thing they do is every single expansion they come out has, uh, they come out with this gimmick. And the gimmick is um, some fundamental mechanic that your character uh, interacts with where they're, they're doing this stuff to interact with the storyline, the campaign, the gameplay, the, there's just something and it's, it's always bad. And I have observed this as fact, it's always bad. It's not just always bad. They don't even learn from their previous gimmicks. So the, the one expansion will have this thing where your character is a commander and your character goes to a a command table and you, uh, you, uh, learn, you know, you gain, you are awarded, you quest for these little, uh, follower and they're essentially tokens that you arrange into combats on your board and you come back in however long, half an hour, an hour, and a fight occurs and there's all kinds of percentages, chances of success and different rewards that you get. But this, it's not your player doing stuff. It's not your character doing stuff. It's just this weird metagame. And this is around about the time when Blizzard's Hearthstone was created. So Blizzard's just copying other stuff and they wanted to have their own success with this, this other, the card game garbage. And, um, they brought it into the game. And so it was, it was absolutely awful and everybody hated it. It was atrocious and you had to slog through it because there were certain things that mattered for it. Um, the rest of everything was kind of samey, samey and boring and whatever the heck. Um, so it was there to be done. And this is just one example of a massive, uh, character distraction that the player was forced to interact with. So a different one earlier was, um, reforging, which is you have it. So in a role-playing game, you have items and the items have different qualities to them, various attributes, various modifiers to combat, because it's a combat game, by the way. I mean, that is the, the fundamental aspect of it. And um, what this mechanic let you do is take an existing piece of gear and decide that you didn't like certain qualities of it and kind of massage it into different directions. 
And what that did is that made all gear kind of samey-samey because you could just change it into whatever you want. So it really didn't matter what you got. So it, it, the, the underlying notion of being rewarded gear for performing certain actions, the reward kind of got watered down in some sense. And that was a really, that was, that was when a lot of people realized things were kind of awful. That, I believe that was Wrath of the Lich King. So that was their third expansion, or sorry, their second expansion. Um, and this gimmick concept happened in the previous expansion. That's why I left the game. It was one of the, the biggest problems. It's another gear thing. There, there's like a talent tree where you can modify certain attributes on a piece of gear, but you can only do that under certain circumstances. And those circumstances only exist when you're back in town. It doesn't exist when you're out on the field. So if I'm going raiding, which is what they push the game out. So that's, it's mostly all about the end game, the maximum level, those final achievements. And, but when you're out doing that, you can't make those changes. So you can't experiment and you can't change your specialization because the gear can't be reused for different so if you're a mage, if you're a frost mage, or if you're a fire mage, you can't take the same gear and just, you know, I want to try being a fire mage for this fight. That'd be kind of neat. I wonder if I can approach the problems of raiding differently. You, you can't do that because all of your gear, which was lined up to be really good, maybe some of it for frost, you can't do for fire. So you can't experiment. So now that with that gimmick, has done, it's locked, it's taken away the idea of different character aspects. So it was an absolute disaster. It was an idea, maybe some, some pointy-haired boss who doesn't play games put that down and that got developed into an interesting new feature, a, a funky experiment. It failed. It failed so hard I left and uh, uh, Blizzard took that out. <laughs> Blizzard actually abandoned the entire concept mid expansion, which I'm, I'm very happy. I did end up coming back, um, at the tail end and paid way too much for this expansion. And what ended up happening is for the current expansion, they have made the same mistake. They've made a gimmick and the gimmick they made this time is all of the previous problems put together essentially. So it's, it's, uh, you, you factionalize everybody, which is already a bad idea. You've given everybody different storylines. You manufactured a bit, a bunch of separate powers that are associated with those quest lines that you have to pick one of four. And they tied the powers with the, the role-playing flavor of things. So if a player comes in, they're like, those guys are cool and pretty. I like that. I want to go do that stuff. Oh, but that gives a power that's not what you want. Like, okay, well, there's a conflict between the role-playing aspect of things and the combat aspect of things. You never want to do that. You want people to pick the stuff that they love. That you want them to bond with their character. Now the mechanics are in the way. So that's a problem. They reintroduced the dumbass garrison table thing where you you play cards, essentially, and it's it's nonsense. And then they... And it just goes on like this. And it really bothers me that what, what it must be admitted that this is a mature game company 
that this is a mature game, they make this mistake. And they do it on purpose. It is intentional that they create these gimmicks, that they make these changes in order to keep things fresh and new. And Minion, I gotta say that uh, Jammy really looks terrible. I'm wondering if something can be done yeah, on my I was end. playing with the settings, but it's the connect. It's either the connection or oh, is God it being streamed? It. Okay, is Twitch okay? Yeah, I checked the Twitch. As long as I do it through this, it's fine. But I don't think my computer so, can handle this money, this much stuff going in and out. You got a pretty beefy computer. That's a bit surprising. The video card is outdated, though, severely. Hmm. I don't know that that ought to be the concern. So what this is a sign of is, because I am seeing weird lag, weird latency, like really, really long latency. So maybe you're right. So why don't you, I mean, just give up. You can turn Jammy's visual off if it helps you. And then uh, as long as Twitch looks good, that's fine. I mean, we'll, we'll figure this out later. It's not like I have to write an item on a to-do list for you to go and look into graphics cards. Mm. So um, anybody that's into gaming these days is going to know that the graphics card wars are, are on again. <laughs> that there was the release of the, uh, the AMD. Is it AMD that owns the GeForce stuff? I think they do. They, um, they have performed magic in the world. And the, the stuff that they have come out with, both the CPU side of stuff and the GPU side of stuff, so graphics cards, the difference is astonishing. What they've been doing, they've, they've destroyed their competition. They're just, they are the best. And there are other graphics stuff that's coming out, and I don't know how it compares yet. And, but in terms of gaming, a lot of people have kind of um, been holding their breath to see how things really turn out and what the prices are going to settle down into because the scalpers came in hard and they made this graphic stuff just unavailable entirely. And one of the concerns that I had when this stuff came out is how effective would a, the brand new video cards be for uh, specifically Bitcoin mining? but cryptocurrency mining in general, because that is one of the problems that hit the previous generation. Well, I guess at this point, it's the previous, previous generation. I ignored the 2000 series. Uh, a lot of the stuff came to my attention in the, like the 1080 series was the, was the hot stuff. And a lot of people were purchasing the 1080 Ti, which is the, at the time was the best of that of the best. And, um, I ignored the 2000 series, which was, which was a good idea. I mean, I had certain constraints for my stuff, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't get high-end stuff. And the, there was a massive shortage of video cards right at that era because a lot of interest was being put into uh, cryptocurrency mining. And so there was a conflict between gamers, and I, and I mean that as a person who has video games as their primary hobby. I don't mean people that play games on their phones. So gamers that wanted this for the latest hardware achievements to actually 
uh, get the, the most out of their even current games just were able to really push these cards there's a conflict between gamers and miners i guess and a whole lot of new technology was coming together specifically for optimizing setups for cryptocurrency mining because it was at a point in its life where like cryptocurrency came to a point where it was actually the when you invest a certain amount into the hardware and then have that hardware work that effort could pay for the investment so these 1080s were paying for themselves and actually generating income now i know okay so i'll I'll give you one of the weirdest stories that i have so this is a story i haven't even shared with you minion which is um 1080s were were brand new and ti's were out and a bunch of like a whole lot of them were being bought up by these specific people and um when you're working with a bunch of graphics cards they're you wouldn't think that they're all they're not necessarily all in a computer because you can uh, line them up kind of processing on their own and then have them pushing data all out into the same computer so you kind of have these expansion systems and you would technically have one computer with a lot of graphics cards like a lot a lot so it's not like a separate box, a separate box. It's a, it's like an open case with a bunch of graphics cards. So you have two concerns. You've got uh, temperature concerns and you have um, power concerns, like really big power concerns. Power concerns that are so big that people would actually have a significant electricity bill doing all this. So it wasn't, it's not free money. You, you don't buy graphics cards, put them in your computer, have it doing mining and then have it pay for itself you have to also pay the bills of the any other peripheral equipment you might need like extra power supplies as well as paying a higher electric bill like by far higher now for a small scale operation like in a house a person might have a, an array of graphics cards and and they can have fans in that room blowing stuff out this kind of stuff like okay fine but if, if a person wanted to have an actual farm for this stuff, there were massive like commercial scale concerns that had to be dealt with. And so what these guys did is they saw an opportunity because they all worked to run um, an actual, I don't know what it operated on, but it was an actual power plant array, like an actual like city scale power plant setup that's what they had access to they were the actual operators of this stuff and what they did is they're like well we generate this much power and we're and and it's it was like an off out of the way area it was like a massive power plant was built with the expectation that there would in the future be more residential stuff developed out there but in the meantime, there was no use for all this power. And so they cranked it up and then they set up server farms <laughs> using all of that. And they weren't paying anything for that electricity. So that was optimizing profits. <laughs> so, so there are these guys off in like the middle of nowhere in China, buying up all these cards, all this hardware and setting up an actual like little industry. <laughs> and 
so there's there's uh, quite a background of of problems with commercial grade man it's we we don't really quite have the terminology for all these guys and and actual gamers <laughs> so so i i want to hope that the underlying technology for the latest graphics cards from amd the the 3080 is the best in class um i want to imagine that the technology they cooked into that isn't particularly great at cryptocurrency so that it's not directly competing because sooner or later stuff's got to be made for gaming and cryptocurrency and gaming aren't the same so why wouldn't there be specialized specialized equipment for cryptocurrency mining versus gaming and have them be separate enough that they are one is not efficient for the other um and it uh yeah it it is kind of weird to me it's kind of weird to me so actually we have a significant amount of time left unless there's a major lag there and there may well be for for twitch now that i'm kind of doing things that way uh what else do i have to talk about i um well, that's a significant amount of time. Okay, so I, um, I'm i going to get into a little bit of administrative and stuff like this because I kind of have less to talk about. Unless, Minion, you want to talk about your, your Destiny 2 experience. You're grinding right now, aren't you? Ah, fuck. I just did something I didn't need to do. Oh, you just went for that achievement you already had. This kind of stuff? <laughs> I hate the interface for this game. It bothers me. It's so slow. I'm slightly peeved. Were you wasting your time? Oh no, wasting your time in a video game. <laughs> but you had fun along the way. I need to read things more carefully. Oh, so what were you doing? Um, what was I doing? Captain Explanation. I did a mini dungeon or just a small encounter where there are modifiers and i just cleared it oh like okay that's fine were you soloing it yeah oh okay it just says completed on any difficulty you don't have to solo it but i did that i did that alone i did the hardest difficulty alone and it turns out it was the wrong planet <laughs> Well, at least you have the friends you made along the way. Oh. Well, what you gonna do? Do it again. <laughs> no. On a different planet. You're all you're all salty. It's not on, there's no featured thing on that planet. There's no dungeon there? There's no There is, but it's not a. it's not modified. Or it's not the difficulty. Oh. So you can't get the modifiers there that you would require for that achievement? Like, um, okay. So I need to have it on this planet, but right now, the, today, it's on this planet right here. And these are the two available to do. Okay. And they just don't have the so, mods. Yeah, so I'm just going to do something else for now. So when you said farm, I'm, I thought you meant like just running around doing world events. <laughs> just shooting stuff, having fun. I was going to do that, but I just did that last night. So you're, you're shaking it up, so to speak. Yeah, I 
I really like just grinding the same stuff for some reason. I'm just weird like that. And a lot of the perform certain actions to do certain things. And there's, it's just kind of just doesn't do it for me. I mean, maybe it's just not obvious to me when it's made an opportunity, or maybe it's just too annoying. And a lot of this game requires a bit of PvP or requires you to do some stuff that maybe you're not in the mood to do. And so I'm like, man, I haven't played in a long time. And it's not like my eyes have healed because this game has wrecked my vision. But in general, uh, staring at a computer screen has. I don't know how how bad is your vision. You're not as, as ancient as I am. So you haven't had the time. I think it's somewhat okay, but no, no. I'm going to say it's bad if you have to wear glasses. Well, yeah, but for me, it's bad and it's getting worse again. So um, I don't want to wear glasses inside. So maybe, maybe my vision will just get so bad that it's good for a screen and then it never gets worse. And that's okay. Just not, not, I don't want to wear glasses in a house. That's, you know, I'm okay with that. I can't see the time when I'm in the kitchen across the room, like the time in the microwave or the stove. And that's how I know that things are bad. Things went bad. I want to take a break from using a computer and want to do other things. I just don't know what that means. <laughs> like, what what does it mean to not use a computer? I haven't... I had a plan to kind of do that. I don't really know what that looks like. I've got... I, move, I shuffle things around. So this room was something of a library. And now I have... Uh, taken the books and I've moved them into these giant bins. So they're off on the side. I have to go through carefully and admit that there's a bunch of stuff that I'm just not going to read just because I'm not interested enough. And I, some of it, uh, I'm just going to slog through. Uh, some of it I'm going to get rid of because I'll read like a few paragraphs and be like, no, oh, this is terrible and I'm not going to enjoy it. And, um, some of them, a well-read man should read, right? But I'm, I'm, but they're just bad. Like, uh, I think I previously compa- complained about the quality of um, Sherlock Holmes, and that you know, that would be nice to have under my belt, right? Not that I'll remember everything. I'm never going to be good with trivia on something like that, and uh, the works of Shakespeare, and I've got a whole lot of of some authors that are absolutely spectacular and some of the old stuff old old stuff but i read a bit of it and the ancient english in it is just intolerable so i may i have to decide is it pretty enough to keep on a bookshelf or should i give it away right so should i donate it to one of these menu was was lazy slash dumb and i wasn't insistent enough so when i was donating a bunch of stuff we donated to what turned out to be a for-profit place, for-profit thrift store, as opposed to one of these, uh, not exactly charity. And you never, you all tabs, which showed everything, which you probably didn't want to do. Um, at any rate, at any rate, um, what, what, what was I, what was I just talking? I can't remember what I was just talking about. Um, I actually, a lot of, of, so there's, there's more than this, but there's, you can think of there being two classes of microphone. One of them is, I thought that's what microphones were more or less for uh, kind of the residential stuff, which is the USB microphones. And I knew that there were the, the, with the 
with the regular headphone jack. And so I thought that there were kind of two kinds of microphone for everyday people, which is USB and then the quote unquote older kind, which just use the regular audio jack. So there's that stuff, but there's also this other class of stuff uh, that is the that is professional. And there are some uh, purchasable, more economic stuff that's out there. And there's cheap stuff. Yeah, there's there's like knockoff stuff and stuff like this. And it's a class that would be, I think I would generically call them all XLR mics, although there's more connections than that. And that's, so you, you would say USB microphone because that's the little dongle at the end that you plug into your computer. Um, these other microphones are XLR microphones. And I believe I can switch my view over here and you can see the, at least the back of my microphone, right? And so there are microphones like this one which uses a different kind of, of cable and it goes into an intermediate box and all this kind of stuff. And, and they're just more expensive, blah, blah, right? And better quality, presumably, hopefully, right? Um, it makes me feel good. Anyhow, um, the, there's a major difference between the two in the, the USB class of stuff. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really quickly go and, and grab it. One sec. And I know you can still hear me. Right. Now we're not recording the video here. I know we're not recording the video here, but anybody that's seeing this live. So I'm holding up uh, one of the classic Blue Yetis. And this is considered the... This, this microphone, this particular brand Blue, and this particular model of microphone, the Yeti, is considered the, the thing that people would get. So there's a point in time in kind of people being online and doing things that needed good quality audio. When that was a thing, when that first became a thing, this was the microphone that people would go for. So this microphone. And the, the thing about this microphone, so I'm going to show it up, up close. And... So first off, this is the original. This is the original model. And there was a second iteration of this that nobody knows about, right? And it's strange because nobody knows about this. And hey, I've, I've got this, <laughs> I've got this other camera for this other view. I love doing, being able to do this. So I've got this, this microphone here. And this is the last, this is the, last microphone that was actually legitimately THX certified. So this thing that I'm holding is collectible and people don't know it. <laughs> so all this stuff that you'll see online now, go and look at YouTube channels where you'll see, you'll see like this up there. So you're seeing the back of the microphone right now. What you don't know is that it's just like a bland, it's still from blue and it's still a Yeti, but it's not one of these. And the reason this can be THX certified is because if I flip it over to the underside, it's got a headphone jack on this one side, right? And this is just a regular, you'd recognize it as an audio jack for plugging into your Walkman or whatever equivalent you newfangled people, young whippersnappers have. And the, the reason I pulled this out, this specifically out, is this is a USB microphone. Uh, some of it is a little bit dated at this point because it doesn't use like a uses a, one of the earlier types of USB. If you're doing USB microphones now, make sure that you get something that the microphone is USB-C because that, that is the technology you want 
to, for everything that you have. You want your cables to be interchangeable. Uh, but what I wanted to point out is right smack in the middle of this microphone, other than the volume control knob, is a mute button. And this does not exist on this other XLR class of microphone at all. And I can't, oh, I can, I mean, I can pull, I can literally move some of my cameras around. I can point my document camera at this microphone, but I'm not going to, because you're going to see some of my, my messy desk or my monitor or whatever. But the, the other microphone I have now, the one I'm presently using, uh, has nothing, nothing at all. And it's a really strange concept to be just an everyday person and not have like a quick button for me to do this. So it means I need to have something on my keyboard or I need to have... I can use mute in Jammy, or I can use a mute in OBS. You know, OBS is acting like a virtual camera, but its audio isn't actually getting to Jammy. It's just sending visuals to it. And Jammy, so it's our Skype equivalent of Jammy is picking up audio directly from this microphone, blah, blah, blah. I have mute switches all over the place, but nothing on the thing. And that's always bothered me. I... Like, I don't trust electronics at all because there's been a history of them being used as spying devices. Uh, Apple, I'm looking at you. And so there's been, oh, this is a physical switch which, which actually dis disconnects the electricity or now there's lights on all the items and that lights up when it's in use. So you'll notice that your webcam will have that. So I've got one here and it's got a pair of lights to look all cool and stuff that lights up whenever it's filming, whenever it's recording. And I've got another one over here and this this uh webcam over here also has like a little orange thing both logitechs and they're not particularly this one isn't particularly new but even earlier generations of microphone of uh, webcams have the same thing um, but there's nothing for mute there's nothing for for audio at all so this has audio this has audio my microphone has audio and a lot of people are like well it's been demonstrated that certain earlier versions of laptops had webcams that could get hacked into and you can view things remotely and you had no way of knowing or no way of turning it off, et cetera, et cetera. And it's a permanent concern for phones, by the way. <laughs> and, and so webcams have things and, and you know when it's off, but microphones don't know when it's off. And what's interesting is, is for the, where would I put it? It's collectible. I actually kind of lose it, whatever. It's on my mantle. It's a piece of art now. Um, so the thing about the Yeti is I thought that this button on it meant that it would no longer transmit information out to, to in my case, Windows or to whatever. And when I press the button, my recording software does not receive data. So I thought, okay, that's great. But I went into the Windows Sound, so Windows XP at the time. So I went into Windows Sounds and, and there's a... When you're looking at your audio devices and you talk into a microphone, you'll actually see the little meter bounce around. You'll see that in Windows 10, so that's what I remember right now. And if if you have the the button in the mute position, it's at, it lights up to tell you it's muted. And when that happens, you can still see the meter bouncing around. So Windows still gets information from your microphone. So your microphone is lying about that. And if you've got a USB microphone, it may well lie about muting, being muted, even if it has a button. That should really worry a lot of people that have certain privacy concerns. Um, it's a good hobby to have to think about these things, even when you're, you know, not a terrorist kind of thing, right? Even if you have nothing to hide, blah, 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 that's the argument, right? So 
in the last minute that I have before break. So this, this, my XLR microphone, my pro mic has nothing. Now it does connect to uh, what's called an interface and the interface just receives its big fat cable and it has electronics in it and it has, it is a USB device that plugs into my computer. And so it's kind of a sound card intermediary thing. And it's got a button on it for providing 48 volts to this because it requires that power to actually become as sensitive as it needs to be for me to, for it to receive the anal for my breath to actually generate sound for it to pick everything up. And it has to be provided that from this specialized box. It can't do it on its own. Um, USB microphones have everything built in technically. Now I can turn 48 volts off. And so what I did is I, I emailed road and that's, they're one of the reasons I actually purchased the thing in the first place. Cause I've actually talked to humans there. So I emailed them like, there's a button on this interface and it's branded road. And it came in a kit with this thing. I know they go together. So I asked them, well, I noticed that if I press this button, turn it off, the microphone stops working. Like it stops. Everything is lit up and quote unquote recording. It just, nothing really comes to my computer. It's, it's quiet or whatever the heck. And it takes a while, but it does that. It kind of drops off until it's nothing. Is that okay? Can I use that? Like a really slow mute button? Cause it takes 30 seconds. And they're like, <laughs> they never want to say things like that. So I didn't really get a, exactly a straight answer out of it, but essentially I kind of can force it in electronics to be a mute button, which is an option I don't really have with USB devices, unless you really rig something up, which you can do because it's just, there are wires in there. And if you splice in a little flip, you can, you can just cut power to your device. Probably a real bad idea because it would disappear from Windows as a device and you reconnect it and it would have to figure the drivers out and that might really mess things as they're recording. So you, you can't do that, but I can do this. But I also use software cough buttons. And how we're up on a break, I'm going to be back in 10 minutes. I'm going to uh, probably come back and talk more about Administrivia and such. So I will see you guys real soon. And this is when I need to go and reach for that button. But it's going to take about 30 seconds to get quiet. I'm going to mute myself and jam you. And we're back. And I'm lagging in Twitch, but I'm also back. Hi, everyone. Hi. Okay. <laughs> and that's, uh, uh, again, one of the problems is, um, I am separately downloading Twitch to see the timer, which I probably shouldn't be doing. So I'm going to leave me paused and that means my timer's off by a little bit at any rate. Okay. So, so I want to talk a little bit administrivia unless we get derailed by other stuff. Um, meaning, I mean, we were talking just now about the problems that you've been having in terms of getting a good picture out through jammy to me so that I can see your gameplay. And that was working great for the other game. What's the name of the other game? Fate? I cannot recall. Hades. Hades. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay, whatever. And, uh, that's a different, that's a different t series and that's really big. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, that was playing just fine. And you were saying that you also had graphics problems where, um, like, Okay, so for in terms of how video games used to work is they what a 
back in the day, a game would take over a computer and it would be the thing that is running. And now it got moved into a task switching environment where you could have other stuff happening. But the game, when you're running it, requires so much of the, of the graphics side of stuff that it would, it would just own the screen. It would own the entire display concept and you could never have any overlapping, anything like that. That was just not a thing. And that still exists today. You can have multiple monitors, but the, one of the monitors is owned by the game. And this is called full screen mode. And full screen mode can change the resolution settings of the physical device. Uh, so it can control your graphics card in that respect. And so you may or may not need to do that depending on what you want to uh, show from a game. And there's another mode that games have called uh, windowed mode. And windowed is just like it sounds. So imagine that you, ha you have notepad or like some other program up. You can, you've got a window and you can resize it and you can move it around and you can have it over top of or underneath under other windows. And this is, you know, why windows is called windows. And you can do that for something that happens to be a game. But the problem is interact that it's using the graphics card. It's using the, the graphics concepts, but it's not, it doesn't have full ownership. And so it's kind of limited. Now the technology has improved a lot and, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. There's really no comparison between the two modes. And the, the advantage of having it in, in full, full screen in this other mode is that it does grant uh, something like administrative rights over the devices and you can get more out of it. You can get better graphics settings and you can, uh, you can do funny things like change the resolution, which you can't do in windowed mode. If you have like 640 by 480 or something like that, you can have like a tiny little window for your game and just have that in your desktop in the corner. But you can't, if you can do that with a regular video game and it will change your full, your, that's a really terrible example of a resolution because that will do funny things that stretch things out on a widescreen monitor. But you know, you, so you can do odd things if you want to. And the thing is uh, for something like Destiny, Destiny is a, a mature contemporary game. And if you have it in full, full screen, then it will, you can have better resolution, better settings, better quality settings, like demonstrably, provably better. Not, this is not the opinion of the user. You can change, you can, you can make your sliders further to the right kind of thing. You can make numbers bigger. And if you're in windowed mode, you gain, you, what you do is you, you can have it in full screen windowed, which means that it, it's over top of everything, including your taskbar. If you have your taskbar bar shown and, uh, if you put it in that mode, you get like a regular desktop mouse. If the game chooses to let you do that, you can move it over to a second monitor really easily. But if it's in full, full screen mode, you need to return access to the underlying operating system to windows to get your mouse back, to get your traditional mouse back, to look at anything else. And in, in windowed mode, you can just like alt tab and it's just another application. And I tend to game like that just because I need access to the rest of my, 
I kind of do multiple things at a time and I want access to other parts of my computer. I don't want to have to alt tab. There's, there's very frequently a tiny delay. Sometimes it's really harsh if it's changing video modes. Uh, but if it's the same as your regular desktop, it's not awful, but it's there, it's present. And you have to alt tab before you can interact with other stuff. You can't just move your mouse to another monitor. You have to alt tab, return access, get your mouse back, move your mouse over to a second monitor. And second monitors are more and more common now. And that often happens while you're playing a game. And sometimes you can't have your mouse over there while you have a game over on your main screen. Destiny does allow it actually. I have a controller and I control, use a controller, like a, an earlier Xbox controller for the game. And I still have my mouse that can be used at the same time on a second screen, which is actually really, really good. So, so Minion, you were saying that you had problems and that Jammy, the, the data you were sending out for Jammy is of lower quality for Destiny. Uh, um, so the game was having laggy problems. You were saying that you, your hardware is not able to keep up with all of the different things that it's doing, that playing the game, plus OBS, plus streaming, plus basically streaming a second time through Jammy, that it's not keeping up. That Jammy is, I mean, Jammy is the one that's being really smart about it. And, and it's the one that's choosing to lag and blur everything to because it knows that your graphics card can't keep up. So it's sacrificing itself. And OBS isn't. And the game kind of maybe sometimes is. So games can do some fun stuff to try to keep a good frame rate or reduce graphic settings on the fly, depending on the game. It's a new and new technology that I saw it uh, came up for World of Warcraft and I know it exists for other games where if there's just too much going on, it kind of silently turns settings down in the background. It keeps things nice and smooth. It's a, it's a really wonderful experience. So you were explaining how, uh, well, you already know that you need a new graphics card. We had that conversation. I just switched games, by the way. Did you? So you're playing Hades? Yes. So you're going to redo that thing that you messed up earlier? Try again? Mm, yep. Well, how exciting. I, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm kind of, I mean, we, we have a problem in the world where now we have too many games. And a lot of them have aspects that are replayable. So this game, it's roguelike. And I've explained it before, so I guess I'll explain it on, on a, a podcast. So Rogue is the name of an actual game. And it is a it is now it is considered an ancient game, and a lot of people don't understand where the term roguelike came from. That just it's a reference to a game that is like rogue. So part of it is the aspect of it. So there is a, you can say Diablo was the one that really popularized it. So Diablo one, and this is a real old game and get it on DOS. And it actually came up for the PlayStation one, I think is when Diablo one became available for it, which is actually hard to find. And it's, it's not a very good game, <laughs> but, um, it was multiplayer, which normally isn't, that's not a thing. At any rate, that's a diversion. So a roguelike game. So the original rogue was just straight top down and it didn't use graphics. It only used characters and each character represents a certain thing. 
And it was kind of an intermediary between uh, graphics and text, because there are text-only games where it will give you sentences and you type in the things you want to do. You know, look north, and it would you'd get a couple of lines of text describing what was out that way. Walk north and stuff like this. But this game, you had cursor controls, and you had a little at symbol that was represented your character, and you had other things represented by specific reserved letters like lowercase d was a dog, uppercase d was a dragon, things like this. And walls were, you know, dashes and stuff like this. And it was not real time. So you would perform an action and then the world would perform an action and then you would and then the world would. And so you'd like move one direction in one 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 of the cardinal directions and then the other enemies would get a move kind of thing. So it's fairly straightforward, but what was interesting about it is you'd have the screen would be full of characters. It would be sketched out and you would only see what you could see. So you have, you have to explore to get the map drawn and you could only, uh, you could only see activity in the areas that were at certain viewing range. So you couldn't see around corners and stuff like that. So it was a really, really good game. And you would fight and explore and find treasures and secret doors. And, and you, you could do all kinds of cool stuff. And then at some point you would find like uh, stairs going down and stairs going down. And then it would paint a new full screen that you could only see the tiny little area around the stairs that you that you appeared from and you could, you would explore again and things would get progressively harder and you'd find more stuff and you'd get experience and you learn skills and stuff like this. And it was a really complicated game. We like, it was incredible. And these nerds put in a whole lot of different references to Lord of the Rings. So that it really, and this is before Lord of the Rings was popular kind of thing. And so there was a lot of effort put into this and the game was was replayable it was the game that was the most involved the most replayable that had ever been made to that point right and i don't think that can be contested and so other game there are other games that came that bored from that that were still character based that was it's black and white it was just using text so this is back on terminals before they had color and other games did the same thing. And other games created uh, uh, like sprite sets where you would replace characters with certain, because a, a character like the letter A is actually like little filled in pixels within, within a rectangle. And that, so if you were typing a letter to grandma, you know, you've got A, B, C, D to work with, but each of those has a different set of pixels that's highlighted. So you could actually hijack the entire concept of that rectangle and repaint what all of the, the pixels are. So you could like redefine what the letter A is, right? So for using our ex earlier example, you could, you could repaint what all of the, the pixels are in the, le the letter lowercase d to actually draw a little picture of a dog, kind of, <laughs> right? So you could shape it a little bit because that was the idea of a d is is like it was a little tail poking up out of, out of a little body a little circle but you could change it a little bit to have the, the the tail hooked or something like this you could make a dragon and give it some little fangs and, and just and so there was a game that evolved like that 
And there's a lineage that goes from that and then adding color and then actual graphics and then resolutions let you have finer details and, and new uh, amounts of color. You know, you'd have eight color before and 16 and then now it's in the millions of colors that you have access to. And now there are games that are, that are, they're sprite based, so they have pictures and there are other games that have simple animations and then there, there are full, full games with animations and combat scenes and all. But the idea is you adventure a bunch and then you progress and then a new field is created, a new dungeon to adventure through a new town, a new, and it's randomly generated. The original rogue was random every time you go through. And that was, that was incredible. That is still incredible. It's actually uh, still a very good game. I would recommend Angband as a, it's a more mature type of game, but it's also simple and in the same lines of stuff. It is really hard to get into. Um, and you can be an adventurer that's actually a tourist. Your starting equipment includes, you know, like a Hawaiian shirt and a camera. <laughs> <laughs> so if a bad guy comes up to you, you like take a picture and blind it for a moment. It's just the, the dumbest stuff. Just so dumb. Um, but you turn into a proper adventure after a fashion. Um, at any rate, uh, this, this game is being described as a roguelike and it comes from that lineage. And it is a roguelike because you get new battle maps, you get new scenarios and it's random. So it's, infinitely replayable and you have more and more games that are infinitely replayable for some reason and roguelike is just an example of a, a, a game a game field like that is um that is reimagined every what after every success or if, if or after every failure you just start the game again it's all brand new again and then other games are time gating and grinding based like destiny where you can just continue to do the same stuff and it's really that's a really bad way of doing things there's some randomization that exists in terms of maybe where global events happen in a in a playing in a, in a world space and they don't even do worlds properly um but if you go through a dungeon uh, all the same bad guys are in the exact same places and it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of terrible. And some of that it, I understand. Some of that I understand because um, there are circumstances where uh, if your player enters into that playing field and the randomization is unfair for some reason, that, uh, that will damage fun. Now, I kind of disagree with that. There are mechanisms you can have in there to kind of mitigate the unfairness that may occur but it happens both ways and you can make things a little bit too easy sometimes and maybe that's good maybe that's bad but i also like the idea of having players face the unpredictability and there's some inherent challenges in there anyway and just pushing them and uh, a lot of these games have no concept of failure you just like you you get nothing if you fail which i don't like and a lot of it is, uh, if you pit a player up against something that is challenging and maybe even slightly unfair due to randomness, 
um, it will anger them. But if they if they still get part of a reward because they did they did their best, so they don't get the participation award, but they're still awarded for how well they did under the circumstances. If if that can be pulled off, then I don't think like randomness bothers. There's in gaming. I don't know minion if you've heard this phrase. So there in gaming, there's the idea of RNG Jesus. Have you heard that phrase, that term? No, not at all. And every, it's not a it's not a major thing in Destiny or any other that, games I've somehow play. Uh, the internet is weird. Was that sarcasm? Was I using sarcasm? Asking if that was sarcasm. So R and Jesus is a reference is a reference to Christianity to Jesus, and R and Jesus is a reference to R N G, uh, which is uh, R N G is. Well, it's a reference to randomly generated numbers, um, but in that is RNG is random number generation, which is, it's actually a really weird problem in computing. So it's generally uh, playing pretend like you're getting randomness. Computers can't actually do randomness uh, unless you introduce something that's actually authentically random, like radioactive decay <laughs> or like pooling a bunch of keystrokes and mouse movements from the user because people are technically kind of random, essentially. So you kind of like pay attention to what players are doing and then take that data and mix it into this entropy pool is what it's called. And then you can kind of get randomness pretty good out of that. But there's this idea, humans have this idea of, if you ever look into problems in gambling, there are problems in gambling where the gamblers will perceive certain trends. Man, if, if you do any gambling, so first off, if you do any light gambling, so there's not really stakes, not necessarily any money whatsoever, you will find in yourself certain beliefs, certain nuances of psychology will just, will bug you. And you can be, you can know the terms for these things and you can be aware of all this stuff. And you will still find these things kind of chipping away at the edge of your sanity. So one of the notions that we have in life in general is the notion of karma, for example. And there's the idea of balance, where if a bunch of bad stuff happens, good stuff's bound to happen. And that's just the, that's the human mind. And that makes, that just makes sense, doesn't it? But in terms of a computer, it doesn't understand these ideas if that's not if it's not built in and it is possible to have an unlucky streak that is that feels unfair and that feels like your vengeance from fate or something really weird and there's this notion of rn jesus which is a kind of uh it is making fun of religion in general not necessarily christianity but that's that's the general experience of like the English speaking world, for example. Um, and a lot of the, thankfully it's not so true anymore, but, um, a lot of the mature technology games and stuff came out of, uh, you can, you can flatly say the English speaking world, uh, a lot of the United States and, uh, a bunch of Britain, things are, things are not anything like that now. Um, there's a lot of really wonderful work coming out of Eastern Europe in general. It's just starting to come to life. And uh, 
a lot of the stuff that exists, uh, there's a lot of notable stuff in South Korea, uh, and there's a whole lot of stuff coming out in China, but that tends to not be localized and not be presented elsewhere and to not be connected elsewhere. So if you've got multiplayer online games, uh, it tends to just be local to that country. Cause I mean, when you got that big a pl player base, why deal with the, the challenges of international cooperation for game setups? Um, they just, they just don't bother. Plus, there are some weird legal and political challenges that are happening. Contemporarily, there's some really... Uh, I, I don't like them, but because there are social aspects to games, and uh, socialness is, presents certain, certain, certain challenges, uh, there are barriers that have been put up to just the the wall that they have the the how do i how do i explain it um i don't know if that, that it's becoming real because i actually talked to a native in mainland china who who i i, I said hey i heard that there was an official top-down government policy that was actually requiring um like automation in um, it's like, I'm just, I don't know, I'm not even going to talk about it, uh, that they wanted to disconnect between like international gaming. Uh, and it was, it's a, and it, as a government policy, as a, it's just the strangest thing. And, uh, this guy corrected me and said, cause he was, he's like, Hey, by the way, I'm, that's why he was lagging so much is, you know, he said, I'm mainline Chinese and that's, that's not. Well, it's not happening with me right now, but it would be a shame if, if, for example, World of Warcraft has different servers in different parts of the world for, to address problems of lag. And those players tend to not interact with one another because there's physical distance and there ends up being lag time with them really fast, real time, uh, interactions like a shooter, or even like an MMO, it's technically pretty fast. Things have to occur quite quickly you need good responses and if we're interacting with one another then it's slow and awkward and it's just too annoying so people are separate anyway and so some it, so it's really nobody would miss it if there was a policy that said well you can't play with you know these servers can't connect because of you know they they want to have control over their stuff and they want to keep they they want to have their player base separate their servers separate right they want to they want to have their own toys. And so nobody would really notice anyway. And why'd I go off on that rant? I think that's a shame, personally. Um, so I was talking about RNG Jesus, and the the notion is that uh, the randomness feels unfair and there are problems in psychology, I will call them problems, where humans will perceive things in certain ways and they will see the machine as not being as cold as they ought to. They will see a kind of spirit in everything and, and they'll see, uh, they will think things like karma. Uh, they will think a, a variation on luck where they, they will expect and want and hope and something like pray. And that's why this concept is brought up. It's the, it's the, you know, ha ha only serious. 
because it's kind of a thing. There's there's some some hope inside a player that it is via this term being mapped over to something maybe embarrassingly close to to spirituality. And there's actually quite a lot of variations on spirituality in computing that I don't think many people have talked about as directly as they ought to. And it's just the experience that a lot of people from certain areas, certain, I guess I could, should say certain eras of computing, a lot of these people have a certain perspective on technology. Part of that might be because of the way things have been done in the past. Maybe things are different now, but a lot of programmers are a little bit, they're a little bit strange just because a lot of programmers are a little bit strange. And once you get up to that caliber, like the really good caliber, learn a programming language, you can think of a programming language like learning a language. You would think that it's mechanical, but as it turns out, it's something like art. And a lot of artists are kind of weird and programmers are like a special kind of weird. So it is learning a language. It is using tools, but it's also, and these are already odd people. So there's a lot of odd perspectives that exist in computing, not just like R and Jesus being the, uh, something like a coping mechanism for the randomness in computers. There's randomness in computers that feels really odd and specific and people will, will grant personalities to certain things happening. So, um, bugs, ignoring the original concept, the coining of the term bug, which was a reference to moths actually being found in equipment. They were called bugs. Um, the actual concept of a bug, um, they're erratic by their nature, just because humans are kind of erratic in what they were doing in order to produce the thing in the first place. And sometimes these things come and go and they're hard to nail down and it feels very much random. And there's some sort of coping mechanism in people that identifies the software or the computing environment as being kind of alive because these things are so, uh, in many cases, they are almost unknowable and they are, they're so erratic. They are very much like luck going one way or another. So they tend to be perceived something out in that direction. So the, um, the people, so software engineers, the actual programmers and stuff like that, that have to deal with everyday people, uh, always want reproducibility. They're like, what were you doing at the time? What were you expecting? And this kind of stuff is, is really challenging for regular users, but it's absolutely necessary for, um, for getting stuff fixed. But the thing is some stuff just kind of defies reproduction and it, it happens under strange circumstances. And it's so hard to reproduce consistently that, uh, I mean, it's like the software is alive. It really, it's hard to nail down because it's a, and it's an extremely kind of left brain rational, um, to, to program is using tools and a lot of the approaches for doing certain things in programming, they're well-planned. They're very well argued 
systems for doing all kinds of stuff, all kinds. And yet there's something, there's something strange, no matter how procedural everything gets done, all these really wacky problems arise. So the, the, there is always this kind of spirituality that's there that the low rung, uh, code monkeys, they don't need to deal with this stuff, but as soon as stuff gets really complicated, really hard, things kind of come alive. <laughs> and these people are weird already. You know, artists are weird, this kind of stuff. Programmers are a special kind of odd that there's weird legacy, like naming things like your computer has a name. I don't know how many people do or do not know this. The computer that you're on right now, if you're on a phone, if you're, well, I mean, if you're on a, a, uh, if you're on a Walkman or something like that, okay, it's fine. That's an exception. But if you're on an actual computing device, be it a phone or a laptop, being a desktop computer, I don't care if it's Windows or if it's Mac, if it's Linux, I don't care if it's something weird. Um, it will have a name, right? And it has a name because it's interacting with other, other devices. Um, and the devices need to be uniquely identifiable. And often when you're like installing your operating system, so you're installing windows, it might ask you, and you might not know that you were given the option. It might say it's like your username, right? Right. So you, you said, you know, it's Joe. You'd be like Joe dash and a bunch of gobbledygook. And it will offer that and just be like, well, okay, sure. That, I mean, that's, that's me kind of. And press enter, but that ends up being a, a, it's not permanent, but it's a, an identifier that gets used. And, um, people that work with computers that work with multiple computers, like uh, network administrators and stuff like that, they get, they have these themes that they name all the computers that are under their control, uh, certain things like they'll name them after the seven dwarves or they'll name them after certain other movie characters or they'll name them after. And, uh, this is an example of some of the, the kookiness, the, the art, artistry that exists in a lot, a lot of these computer types, not just programmers that you will find kind of all over the place and maybe kind of hidden all over the place. So if your computer is managed by somebody else, it may well have been given a nickname. It's never going to be given a nickname that's, um, insulting or necessarily identifying to the person. If it's named something cute, it's named something cute that's distinct from who usually sits in front of it. <laughs> Don't go looking and being offended. If, if your computer is named Legolas, you probably have some nerd somewhere that's a big fan of a movie or a book or whatever. And it just happened to have been named like that kind of randomly. And they, they don't, they don't care about who's sitting in front of it. It's just, and it's what makes their life easier. Um, and there's a, there would definitely be a lot of, maybe I shouldn't have said any of that because there would definitely be a lot of pointy haired bosses that would be really offended that, that their computer is being managed by a super ultra professional guy, but really he's just kind of like, there's fun, there's fun happening. You can't have, there's certain business leaders that don't like the idea of people having fun because they think that having fun is, uh, inefficient, <laughs> something like that. Um, I'm sure I have plenty of time left, but I'm going to double check because I don't have this thing streaming. I'm, why don't, okay, here we go. Sorry about that. I've got a bit of time. 
So I do want to talk about the disconnect between pointy-haired bosses, the suit-wearing sort, and the computer type, because that's on my mind now. There are... there. Okay, so there's a document out there. It's an actual kind of essay that I highly recommend. So if... there, There's two sides of it. Um, and most people aren't going to fall into either of these categories, so it's kind of... It would be interesting. So one is called the Hacker FAQ, the Hacker FAQ, and the other is the Manager FAQ. So FAQ is Frequently Asked Questions. And, but it's done from another perspective, which it, it isn't, like normally what a Frequently Asked Questions list is, is people email or call, and they, they all kind of have, a, as soon as you have enough people participating in that feedback, you have commonness. And so you find all the commonness and you just shape your best answers and you take that document, you put it up on your website or something like that. So you have frequently asked questions about whatever, you know? So if I had questions about my Tupperware and it's just the same over and over again, it's a waste of my time to go and just call them and get the same canned response. I can just go and know and look for the FAQ and just read through it and find my question. Sometimes there's a search feature and all this kind of stuff, you know, a knowledge base is a more advanced version of an, of an FAQ. There's another perspective where that gets crafted ahead of time. It's like, we don't want people to keep asking us all these same things. So they create an FAQ ahead of time without having had that feedback inform it. And that's what these two documents are. So the hacker FAQ is pointed towards people who are hackers, which is a term most people won't understand because the media fixates on dumb things. So it is a reference to a you can just shorthand think of it like a really super advanced programmer computer nerd type just think of it like that uh you can think of it something like uh when like there's like just say artist type they're kind of unknowable weird unkept just they're they're off they're off in a different direction they're a different sort of person uh, they're really good at their job, but they they just don't seem right. They don't seem recognizable. They're not like you, right? They're not like anybody. They're like themselves. And they kind of can be lumped together. They're incredibly rare, but they're lumped, they can be lumped together. They're found in these sorts of sorts of industries, sorts of high-end jobs doing this kind of stuff. And they have, you can think of them as lacking certain perspectives. They don't fully understand certain things like managers, right? And that's the problem is there's an interaction between these hard, these hard, hard, um, hacker types and managers. And there's a disconnect socially and, and in certain problems in business where they, they literally, you, you can point them in the, the direction of autism and you can say that they lack certain social skills. Like they're, they're functional people, right? but they don't just, they just don't get certain stuff. Like they don't know why they're, they keep being told to wear a tie. They don't want to do that. And they don't like the idea of doing certain things. Like meetings are such a waste of time. I just want to go and get this stuff fixed. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't like, and they just don't want it. And so this FAQ goes through a whole bunch of different points to help that sort understand the perspective of a manager like what does it mean when my manager is hovering over my shoulder asking me the same question over and over 
is this FAQ will talk about that and we'll talk about all these other things. And there's something called the manager FAQ, which does the opposite. It's like, why, why is my hacker, um, why does my hacker have his or her feet up on the desk listening to music? Like why, why is my hacker eating at their desk? Why is my hacker coming in late? Why is my hacker playing like, like sword fighting with nerf swords? Why does my hacker not like cubicles? Why? And, and then none of this makes any sense to the manager type because they have no, they're not, they're not that kind. There are different kinds of people and that becomes a real problem for these two sorts because they're so different. They're not on two sides of a spectrum, but they are, they have completely different specialties and they don't understand one another. It's not intuitive. They're, they're both. Yeah. And so the, um, there's a problem with these highly creative, highly technical nerdy sorts where they're so off, um, that they, that certain aspects of their personality and the way they approach certain problems, problem solving, the things that they need, the things they respond to, um, are, um, would not be guessed at by other people. So one of the best examples is how do you reward your hacker for doing a good job? So you're a manager and you're like, well, in order to reward, uh, someone who's been doing their job well, like they made a problem go away and that's great. And they helped the bottom line for the business is what you would do is you would share some of that wealth and you would give that person uh, a bonus. And it's like, what, that's not what you would do for your hacker. You're, of, of course, money is appreciated because money is important, but you would award your hacker with, you know, some lenience <laughs> with slacking off a little bit with, um, by thanking them, actually recognizing them because a lot of, because there's certain kinds of moral encouragement and stuff like that, that really ends up mattering. And all these other things, you know, buy your hacker a toy, buy your, uh, give your hacker a, a, uh, a, uh, a line of credit, uh, via the business in order to purchase some new computer equipment or something like that. Just be like, I, I don't understand. Here's a line of credit. This is how much you have to, to work with. Um, see what you can do to like here, like I mean, it's still for the work, still for the job. It's not the property or anything. You can do really weird, like thing like that, really weird things like that to award, to reward certain, certain kinds of certain personality traits. And I, I've rambled on so long that I can't remember. So those, I am going to go out of my way to make sure those are linked in the description or whatnot. But those, I think both of those are written by a collaboration of a couple of people. You can find them from, I believe that is from Eric Raymond and probably Rick Moen. And I think they wrote both of those. Um, I think that's right. So I'll go looking and make sure that they're linked to, but if you're listening to this on some other platform, hopefully those names will help you. Um, and Moen is spelled M O E N. So, uh, how much time do we have left minion? Eight minutes. Okay. I'm going to look at my notes. Um, I had been talking about, um, 
about problems of sound isolation in a room, about what you would do to try to uh, kind of like pad, reduce, suppress the kinds of background noise, what you can do to muffle things. And um, I'm the, well, if you've got a visual right now, behind me are bare walls. And I've talked about in the previous show about the problems of having bare walls in the sensitive side of the microphone, which it's not so big a deal behind me because of how I'm directing things. And the, there are other problems that I've been looking at. And one of them was uh, how do you help with a door? And one of the things that I had thought about was um, putting weather stripping around it and just sealing it up nice and tight. And that's, that might be a good idea depending on where the room is, because if you've got a room that's in the, that's in the bottom floor, then you might have cold air on the floor, like really low cold air from a door being opened from the outside. For example, you might have similar problems trying to keep heat in if it's in an upstairs there, whatever concerns, but noise can get through technically speaking. So, well, what can you do around a door? And there are these examples of people on YouTube talking about sound isolation. So this is not treatment. This is isolation. So that's dampening. That's reducing sound entry into a room. So if you wanted a theater room or something like that, sound isolation, boy, is it complicated and expensive. And a lot of people are going to lie to you about what you can do. They just don't know any better, or they're just outright lying to you, or they're trying to sell you something. So one of the things people say is, well, you, you'd put this kind of like quilted fabric, then you'd Velcro it perfectly and you'd seal a door off. And it really has to be airtight. That's, that's the thing. It has to be. And there is kind of a, another, a lesser version of that where I got, where I'm not going to pull it out and show you because it's kind of annoying to put back on. But what it is, is I've got a, it's a piece of fabric with, uh, two foam, um, like noodles, like water noodles going there and, and you slide it under your door and it has, it essentially pads both ends of the door at the bottom so that hopefully cold air doesn't kind of draft on all the way under. And uh, maybe that would help with sound. So first it's not going to help with sound because you still have the rest of the door to worry about. And I tried uh, doing some, some, you know, you can weather strip and you just put them around your door, but our, my door, like this, the door to my, to my left is not hung well enough that I can put the that the consistent thickness of weather stripping around it and have it closed correctly. I would actually have to have different thicknesses of weather stripping in different places in order for it to close effectively and seal correctly, correctly. If there's a, the smallest crack of the imperfection the incorrect thickness of padding and any kind of air gap was there. And you can just like have somebody on the other side shining a flashlight. If you can see the light anywhere, then you've got an air gap. If you've got the smallest bit, there's just no point. It's, it's ineffective. The entire endeavor was ineffective because the sound will find that one little hole and it'll come through, will not have made any difference at all. So this, this padding that I have doesn't make any, diff any difference at all for sound. And as it turns out, it doesn't make any difference at all for a cold. <laughs> so I think I still have a problem where, 
uh, I can maybe I can weather strip up a little bit more, hopefully. And what you have to do at the at the edges of doors, because it's frequent that the weather stripping won't quite work at the bottom, is there are these foam wedges that you can stick there, and the because it's a wedge shape. Uh, your door will close really nice and firmly against it. It will nudge up and, and squish the foam and it will create a perfect seal. So theoretically speaking, maybe I need that and maybe I need a little bit better weather stripping and right. But, but what's the other solution is you would like double-sided Velcro, a quilt of some so some sort, uh, like a special moving blanket type. There, there are things that are made for this purpose. There are things that are made for this purpose for windows, but doing it over a door, you, that bottom crack is going to be a problem, right? So what can you do? So, but at least I got the thing and I like it. it it's pretty, it, this actually works. I will provide a link for that. Uh, whether or not it's still available to purchase whenever you're listening to this, who knows? But the if you look for, I don't know what it would be called, like a door wind stopper, something like that. And if you would just poke around for bottom insulation for doors, you'll find this. This is not the weather stripping that is kind of tacked to the bottom of your door that has a rubberized kind of shield that drops down. Uh, this is not the, there's stuff that slips on to the bottom of a door that has like little foils that point down. All those do is those provide a um, kind of, it, it extends the bottom of a door. And this is not the, there's like a little sill that goes across the bottom of the floor. Actually taking that, padding it up a little bit and having a door press into that is a really great solution. If you can get that done right. Um, I tried that, didn't work out. Um, I might try that again in the future. I doubt it. Um, that would be the thing to pursue. But what I've got is kind of this temporary thing that I might do the same thing with the laundry room just to try to reduce some of the smell that comes out of there because there's smell and there's noise. So um, whatever. So I'm still experimenting with what can be done in terms of sound treatment. And it remains to be seen whether or not any of this is effective enough that I could recommend it. Um, last thing I want to talk about in the last minute and a half before break is lighting. So as it turns out, there are certain aspects of lighting that are universal, like the clamshell lighting concept, problems of, of having a bald head or with glasses or something like this. There are certain lighting concerns that are quite universal. And I recommend looking up that stuff. I've talked about how to deal with the shine of a head and I've managed it. I'm really happy with what I've been able to accomplish. And it's, uh, it is often light intensity and positioning that will solve a lot of these problems. But the, it is, as it turns out, there's a lot of consideration to be made for what cameras you've got. So I've got two different cameras right now that I can check. And one of them can cope with certain lighting conditions better. Actually, the lower quality camera can deal with this stuff way better than my main camera. For my main camera, I actually need to have a background that is dim. I actually have overhead lights. And the overhead lights, they're angled in a certain way. And, and let's, let's say that I'm ignoring glare. So baldness glare, um, it would actually illuminate the background background so much that the camera gets messed up and will actually, uh, I am cast in shadow. So I'm a very dark person, uh, and the camera just doesn't work. So as it turns out, 
a lot of consideration has to be made and then you just have to look through the cameras and fiddle with the lighting. So there's actually nothing particularly universal, which is annoying to have learned. So I can't make recommendations, but I'll approach that problem again later. So we're coming up on our second break. We're going to have our third and last segment coming up in 10 minutes. I'll see you guys soon. And we're back. Well, hello. This is uh, segment three of Lucid Indifference. That's lucidindifference.com. We're on episode 36. So um, it isn't that I have run out of stuff to talk about, because that's not really a thing, but I'm running out of some notes. Um, we, uh, we've got a bunch of administrivia I want to go over. And uh, as I said before, it's going to become kind of a, a shorter and shorter list of stuff to care about. And because I'm getting pretty settled into how things have been working, I've had the same sort of chain of macros that I've been using in Audacity that have been working both on Minion's track and my own track. And I'm happy with that. I'm really happy with that. So the audio engineering side of stuff is basically settled. It is settled science. And the lighting stuff I think has been figured out and... Only if there was a change in cameras and camera technology, you know, 60p, this kind of stuff, or 60 FPS, and uh, or 4K, or something like this. Only then would I care about, after a hardware change in camera, would I care about changing lighting. So I figured all that out. Background, I suppose, could be something interesting to work on, but that's just art. And that's so subjective that that's not something I can really talk about. In terms of a microphone, well, I suppose I could recommend this particular thing. I don't know that it matters, though. I could empower somebody with the knowledge of how a microphone works and what to expect and what good means. And that's something I'm not... I haven't given enough thought to really go over uh, why one microphone might be better than another. Maybe that's a tangent I can try for right now. And... I don't know that I can recommend this because this might not be purchasable for very long because they may not sell this as a kit. I think they will. I think that this was a great idea. Um, and so I could recommend this. And there's a bunch of other ones that I had been considering that I think I can recommend. And the problem is and they're not that less expensive. They don't come all in one kit, which is a little... Uh, it might be a little off-putting, frightening, really, for somebody that's particularly new. A lot of people, when they want recommendations for everything, they would like it just in one package. And uh, it's hard to give that. So there is another microphone that I was looking at that is one of these. You might recognize it as a kind of a stage microphone, and it really works for that, too. And maybe that's a good reason to recommend it, because it's much more versatile. And... This microphone is really one that should be fixed. It should should be... And that's another thing to talk about, is how you position a microphone. This is actually on a desk arm, which technically means I can't touch my desk. Because the vibrations will go from... Well, it'll go from the sounds of the keyboard up, and it will reflect up into the microphone. You'll be able to hear the clickety-clack. So there's some concerns about the microphone picking that stuff up. So your, your equipment and how you work, how you interact with the environment is going to matter. But also it's on an arm, which is connected to the desk. So the clickety-clack or the movement can actually ride up the microphone 
into uh, into into your audio and can really mess things up. And on that note, last show, last show, I bumped into and I kind of deafened Minion uh, when I bumped into the XLR cable. So this is so the the way the microphone is. So the way the microphone is is you've got the the main unit and it's on a shock mount. But underneath it, and I don't really want to touch it, even though mic handling sounds don't really exist on this microphone. Let's give that a shot, actually. So just very gently. Okay, so what you're going to see, which I don't like showing because I don't like that things don't match. This is a, well, okay, this is a mid-range arm. This is an adsorptive USB dongle. Okay, let's ignore that. So what you, you can kind of see here this silver bit, so not not this, not this shaft of the arm, but back here underneath the microphone, poking out. This is actually the base of the microphone here. You can see the silver bit here. This is the, the end of the cable that's coming out right around here. Now, because of the positioning of an arm, a monitor arm, you need to position it in certain ways because you need to have... Um, you need to have space underneath it. You need to have it positioned a certain way, right? Because it needs to be close and it needs to be out of the way. And if you're like a gamer, for example, you can chop out a bit of the box and you can, you might even be able to remove the microphone from the picture. Uh, with this particular arrangement, it looks fantastic. I don't really have to do that. And if what I do is I transform my background into a color, into black, for example, I can actually make the microphone kind of vanish into that into that because it's black, which is another consideration for a microphone is recommendations for how it looks on how it looks to your audience, essentially. Now back to that cable. Because you need this space underneath your keyboard, right? And and I that's why I recommend you lift all of your monitors up off of your desk, put them all on arms. I mean it's not as expensive as right probably shouldn't be spending so much money on an, a monitor in the first place and reduce that price and put some of that to an arm. Pick everything up off of your desk. You get way more reach, way more space. I'm really big on doing that. You know, I've picked the mic up off the desk. It's hanging like this, but the cable is kind of poking up out under it and it's dragging across. And it's really easy to bump if I don't, you know, I want to talk with my hands, and if, if I'm doing that, if I'm excited, if I'm keyboard and mouse, it might be in the way. And the problem of the height of the microphone and the length and the, the depth requirement, and that's another consideration for your microphone, is this is something called a side address microphone, right? Okay, so this, <laughs> it looks the same from the front and the rear, which is why there's a little gold dot on the, the sensitive side of the microphone. It looks the same from the back. So this side of the microphone, the, re the rear side, the less sensitive side, not insensitive, less sensitive side of the microphone, um, it, it's taking up, it's a rectangle that's standing up on its end, and it's, it's kind of taking up space. And the fact that I have a, a custom fit for this set uh, pop filter, this screen that's here, this, this happens to look fantastic, which was an argument for getting that. Now, this is side address, which means it's taking up all the space that it's taking up. But if it was a front address microphone, 
like <laughs> there's the joke that people use these big blue yeti usb microphones and they actually have the thing pointed at them they're sort of talking down into it which is wrong <laughs> which is just wrong and it's hilarious uh but i've never seen anybody do that so i think it's just a joke now for a microphone like this because there's a grill all the way around it you might be tempted to do that and your voice would just sound really kind of quiet because it's meant to not be particularly sensitive from that end so you you will sound quiet it will do its job but if you have a uh, what's called a, a front address so you're able to talk into the handle essentially so if you're holding it like a stage microphone you're talking down into it um, if that profile means it kind of takes up less space on a screen maybe it would look better something like this right then you have shock mount considerations and do you have the actual arm however it's mounted in the way of the camera because it's being held a certain way and if you have a, a front address microphone you've got the xlr cable that might be poking at the back that might actually look bad the cable for this one is out of frame so it's great so what i was looking at and i already ordered it is because every time I make a mistake or every time I do something, I will be reminded of something, some opportunity that I had. Maybe I had notes somewhere. Maybe I thought of it before. I already had this thing on a wish list on Amazon, my giant wish lists, right? Is this cable, I knew it was kind of in the way. And I thought about these other cables because I don't like that silver. I don't like, I don't want everything to be the same color. I've complained about all my electronics being black stuff that's on screen. I want it to all be neutral. And in this case, black. And it, it, I don't like the jarring effect of the different monitor arm versus the cables versus the whatever, right? I don't like all that stuff. So like I've been thinking about when I get a different monitor arm, cause I'll eventually get something that looks a little nicer if it appears on screen. If it doesn't, you shouldn't waste your money on something that doesn't actually matter if you can't prove that it matters. But if this were up on screen more, then what I would do is I would actually disassemble it and get some metal appropriate spray paint and spray paint all of the, uh, this, the silver components and assemble it. And hopefully it would look better. Uh, I'm not the type and I'm a little bit concerned about spray painting something and not quite fitting together properly again. Right. But if it, I would imagine that if it's done correctly by somebody else, <laughs> that it would be fine. Uh, it sounds like effort and money and something that I have to do outside and it's cold out because it's winter and I'm in North America and it's, you know, December it's cold. <laughs> that's a thing. So back to this cable. Okay. So I got a cable that's dangling down and I bumped it previously and deafened minion. And I might've done this multiple times and boy, does it look terrible on your track. You got to manually edit it out before doing your track wide audio engineering and it's a pain it's a pain it's a really bad thing even though this doesn't have mic microphone handling so i can move it around quite well if i bump the cable you might even uh, interfere with the connection the electricity going on and that causes static pops there's all problems with bumping that cable boy are there problems okay now there are right angle cables where that connection actually as it does not jut out so far and then have the the cable go straight down and you'll kind of loop it where you loop it and these exist for headphone jacks and stuff like this where you just have 
you know, it's, it's the L shape or the R shape or what I, and this exists for this, where it's an extremely flush mounted connection and it immediately right angles out. And I think I will be happy with it because it's all black and cool, like all of it, not just the cable, not just the rubber part of things, but the actual connector is also black. So that if I have this thing on camera, well, I mean, I've got the hardware on the monitor arm, what you got to do, but at least that cable is going to be great so that if it appears on screen, it will look fantastic, but it's going to be really flush and really out of the way. And I'm going to be able to appropriately tether it to the arm. You can't tie it too tight because you need to have it articulated. And so I can't have it pull on the microphone. I can't have it taut. So, but I can at least have it really out of the way so that I can move my arms. And so I've been paranoid ever since, you know, I bumped it once or twice before and it, it just, it, it just it really bothers me. And sometimes you do, like I've said before, sometimes you do want to throw money at problems and it wasn't a whole lot of money. Now at the same time, what I was able to do is what I got with this microphone is it came in a complete, like literally a complete kit everything, everything, everything. And some other things don't come with like the XLR cable and stuff like this. And it costs a, um, it costs money, right? Um, so the, the cable I got was long, very long. And it's a really weird thing getting a cable this long. My setup, my computer is like, okay, I'm, I don't even have to reach my entire arm out and I can touch my computer. Now it's silent. And I've talked about building a silent computer before. So the fact that it's near my microphone is meaningless, right? It's fantastic. So I don't need this long cable. The cable is, it's not to the computer. It's to the interface and with the, the interface is right next to the computer anyway. So I've got this nice long cable, but I got to loop it around and get it out of the way. So buying a new cable is another opportunity to get a cable that is more appropriate for my setup. So I do have this long cable, this official, does it even say road on it? it? Yes, it does. Road professional low noise microphone cable. Batch number zero. Wow. Batch number zero, 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 one. Oh my. Okay. <laughs> this is fantastic. And that actually brings up something rather fascinating, which is this other cable. If this is a quote unquote low noise cable, well, what's the next one I'm getting? <laughs> it's, it's like high professional grade, whatever, you know, marketing speak, but this cable was tested with this setup. But the thing is, um, this is, this is working with electricity. This is not, yeah, it, you can't really do poor quality with this stuff unless it's like really, really cheap dollar store cables. A cable is a cable. So hopefully the connector part of, part of it is snug, which was a concern for this one. I would love to show you. <laughs> so I'd have to pull out a spare microphone to actually talk and show you, but there was a problem with the snugness. I've spoken on this problem before. There's a problem of snugness with a cable entering into an XLR microphone where, um, there is a metal clip to clip it in and give it a really solid connection. You actually have to use your thumb and a tiny bit of force to wiggle it out, but it's in there. It's clipped in there. And that's because you, you might have it, you might be holding the microphone in your hand and moving it around. And so the, and the cable is actually really heavy and you'd have to have the connection stick 
But the problem is this connection wasn't internally wasn't as good as it ought to be. So it was actually disconnecting, causing all kinds of pops and statics. And, uh, I know that this was a big problem for these guys because they also, they actually manufactured a new product and it has some cute name that I can't remember. Um, and they included that in the kit. They never even talked about it. It's not on the store page or anything like that. It was just kind of like slid in there. <laughs> and, uh, it's just this little ring with some crimping in it that you insert into the bottom of the microphone and you, then the clip is perfect now. So if I were to get another cable, that concern happens all over again. Now I've got the little crimpy ring and I'm just going to keep it in the microphone. And, uh, I mean, it's, it works with the microphone. It's, it's a universal thing. So, um, that's, is making sure that that connection is snug. So that's the only quality problem that I might have, but it's Amazon. I bought it from Amazon. So, you know, if I got a problem, I'll save the box and I'll ship it back. Amazon has adjusted their policy due to something like due to COVID where they have extended the period of time where they will accept returns. And, uh, I took really firm advantage of this. As soon as I, uh, I messed up returning some, um, sheets that I bought that were terrible. Um, but I collected a bunch of other stuff and went, Oh, well, I'm going to return this as well. This as well, where normally I would just eat the cost and use that as a learning lesson. But the, it, some of the stuff was kind of a moderate amount of money and a moderate. And as soon as it got to four items, I'm like, okay, well, no, this is all going back. I still have a USB hub. I'm thinking about also giving back because it's like $25 Canadian. And, and that was enough that it bugged me, maybe 35. And, uh, I can't plug three cameras into it at the same time. <laughs> I know that's a really oddly specific problem to have, but it's a powered USB 3.0 hub. Why can't it do that? Like these are three USB two devices. Fine. They're all going at the same time. It's got the power for it. I mean, it's, it's rated for it. That's, it's not a problem. It's, it's, uh, I don't know if it's Watts or volts, but it's 20 of them. And USB 2.0 devices are maximum five. I thought if I'm, where's a 2.4, it's actually pretty low. And so whatever it can power it all. And so I have to connect all this stuff rather strangely, which really bugs me. So I'm thinking of returning that a fifth thing. So, um, if this cable for my microphone doesn't work out, I'm just going to return it. And I'm going to start being rather mean about returning things because it's remarkably easy to return things. Um, if it's big and heavy, then, you know, you got to get a car otherwise, um, you know, drop it off at a post office. They used to use a UPS, which was really convenient for me. So UPS has, it's, there's a, oh, how do I explain it? So UPS has its own stores and just like, um, other, like, uh, what is it? Uh, McDonald's made an agreement with Walmart where they have McDonald's is in Walmart's there. I think they're basically closed everywhere now for, because reasons, <laughs> reasons that should be obvious. Um, but just like that, there are UPS, um, outlets within for all that matters, a variety store where that you can walk in there and drop off packages. And that's how I was able to do, um, Amazon returns, but more and more of the returns, maybe all of them are switching to use Canada post. And that's almost certainly a price decision. Now 
UPS may well have changed prices because of a demand, right? Um, they may not be able to service so much. Uh, Canada Post may, whatever, whatever, right? Stuff happens behind the scenes and nobody talks about this stuff. Um, so it is, it is slightly more convenient, you know, on the way to work kind of thing to swing by UPS because you get more opportunities. And Canada Post it can sometimes be a lineup because it's pretty popular versus just dropping off at a UPS. Like how many everyday people go and visit a UPS store as opposed to going in to people who use stamps anymore, like going to a post office for, you can transfer money and stuff like that, right? So a post office is used for all kinds of stuff. At any rate, uh, yeah, that was, that was rambly. Um, I don't know what else I can talk about. Like, um, previously I've talked about, um, taking notes, taking notes on a lot of stuff. And I've talked to Minion over the years now about taking notes and I've got a terrible memory. So sometimes, uh, when I, when I walk away during breaks and I go and I'm, I should, I should stop eating cause my voice goes all weird. Um, and I can notice it now and I can't tell if it's being picked up by the microphone or if it's just in my head or if it's me, if it's the um, sensitivity of the monitoring mode that I'm able to listen pretty, pretty easily. Um, so it's being recorded to disc at a different sensitivity than how I'm listening to it in monitoring mode. I don't know if it's something like that, but there's wetness and clickiness in my voice if I eat. At any rate, I do walk away during breaks, I'll stretch my back, this kind of stuff. That's the entire point of having a whole 10 minutes. That's enough to go and actually warm some food up and maybe eat some of it. So if you, the listener, wanted to go for a while, for the live experience at least. You know, if you're at home and it's not live, you can pause. And you may well want to pause at the exact same time that we're taking a break, just for the... I mean, you should not sit down and binge anything, uh, unless you're doing something else on the side, but even then... And not taking breaks is one of the problems in you in doing everything. Um, I have previously talked about the problem with studying and the, the, the curve of kind of, there's an exhaustion that, that creeps up. So you start at hundred percent and it will crash and it will actually fall off cliff at some point and you can keep at it for as long as you want, but it's not effective. So you take these little breaks and then you come back and you're not full strength. But your, it, your break will uh, not be a huge detriment because you'll come back a little, you'll come back pretty strong and then take another break later and you'll come back, eh, not as strong, but it's not bad. But if you took no breaks whatsoever, you would crash. And that's why we have these breaks as well. It's, I'm going to stop, go and recharge, go think, pace. Uh, Minnie and I talk about some stuff randomly maybe stuff that might be coming up, maybe not. And I've thought about uh, carrying a clipboard around. I've taken notes. I've got a notepad upstairs and I'm scrawling stuff that I might want to come back. Thinking about the things that I've already talked about earlier. And um, I do, I want to talk about, I would love to see Minion's expression for this. So Minion, do you remember when I was talking about, um, taking notes in a notebook 
you know, and writing down the things you do every day and maybe some goals that you have and having some tick marks and this kind of stuff. Do you remember any of that stuff? Do you remember doing it? How long has it been? A bit. A bit? Well, well two years maybe. Wow. Okay, so I kept doing it. Right. I kept doing it and a bunch of the notes I processed through and they're, they're gone. But what I did is I ended up switching to these things and so I can see myself searching my, okay. Switching to these things. So what this, the brand is Moleskine or Moleskin. I don't know, but I decided to take it fairly seriously. This is a pack of three and this cost uh, $9 Canadian off of Amazon. And these are cashiers ruled journals. So it's a set of three. And of course I'll link to it. So this is, um, 64 pages and with some that are detachable. And I wanted them all to be detachable because as I processed them, I wanted to tear out that sheet really easily. turns out that I don't do that at all. So it works out just fine. And, uh, these, I can actually put one in my pocket. And so I've actually carried a pen and one of these in my pocket. They, I actually doesn't even list the side. They are nine by 14 centimeters. Uh, so this is five and a half by three and a half inches. And, uh, these are really high quality and they will actually last all 64 pages of going through day by day. They will last in a pocket. So, um, so this is good quality. There are lower quality ones that I'm looking at that I can buy in stupid bulk. So, but I have these and I've been using these, right? So 64 pages. I'm only writing on, actually I am writing on both sides. So Minion, can you, can you see my picture right now? You are looking at me. Look closely. What picture? You're seeing, so we actually have my image projected out into Twitch, correct? Can you see that? Yes. Good. Can I see what image am I so I, oh. I can see you with a bunch of Good. notebooks. Good. This is how many notebooks I have full. Okay. 64 pages a piece. Every single one of these is full. Okay. Now I have existed. You have nothing, nothing to show for it, except some accomplishments that you might be able to talk about, but you're still too shy to do it because you kind of halfway did one maybe now. Over the last couple of years, you had the opportunity to keep nagging yourself, essentially, right? You nagging yourself because nobody else can, obviously, because you're, you're obstinate is the correct word. Um, you are resistant to motivation. And so you have to figure out how to do that for yourself. Um, but that is what I was able to, to do, to pull off. And the thing is, a lot of those days are like tick marks for some documentation I was working on, some of the writing I was working on. Some of them have goals. Like, uh, for example, after the show, well, it's not going to be immediately after the show. So um, I, I, I'll go back and play World of Warcraft. But as a thing, right? So it is a thing that has a goal because I'm going to be raiding, which is an event. And I might put like a little tick mark in order to tell my future self that I wasted time playing this dumb game. So future self in a year will go like, is this all I did that day? I just played this, this game. <laughs> and other times it will be, you know, I spent an hour writing or something like this. So there'll be a tick mark for that or, or a unit of time until I took a break and then just not define it. And all it will be is writing one tick. And I will be able to go back and look at that, um, tomorrow. 
and a week from now and a month from now and a year from now that I'm at the point when, what is the first one that I've done? The first one in this series is from the middle of 2019. Okay. So I know what I did on Friday. What is this? August the 30th, 2019, right? That I was looking at my hard drives that I, that I tidied. I did some great tidying that I took a look at all my old projects to define what my goals are going to be. I decided to stop learning Dutch. That's when I decided to, to not learn Dutch anymore. Uh, I would later switch to Frisian, which I could talk about at some future point, but even that's not going anywhere. Right. And so and a bunch of other stuff. And some of these are just kind of dumb and cute. And my future self will look at that and go, okay, well, th whatever. I'd be like, wow, I, I didn't even know I was interested in that back then. Well, okay. Or I might look at it and, and be reminded that it was a dream that I should have been working on over the last year. Like I should have been working on drawing, which I feel so bad about not working on that. I paid money, not enough, but I paid money and I learned a bunch of stuff and I know a bunch of stuff now. It's really great. But, um, um, uh, I haven't been working on that. I've instead like this podcast. Duh. So, um, at some future point, I might go through the entire journaling process because I think that if I were to call it a diary, that seems girly and that will manly men won't like that, but it is journaling because I'm literally making a recording a breadcrumb in words or bullet points or whatever of my accomplishments. And there it's, it's an accomplishment to have, um, spend some time cleaning your kitchen. It is an accomplishment to do any kind of tidying. It's an accomplishment to read a chapter in a book. If that's something that, that is a pursuit that you set as a goal. So minion for you, technically speaking, playing destiny, right? For a unit of effort, which should be less and you should be taking breaks. Playing destiny would be a tick mark on the page of stuff you do today. And in one month's time, for example, if you were to read back at that and it's got like, it's empty and it's got the date and it just says destiny with three tick marks. And you're like, well, what is that? Like three hours of playing this game? Like what, what does that mean? And maybe that will prompt you to be like, okay, well maybe what it needs to be is I need to set other stuff as a goal and, uh, and like destiny rating, that's totally, that's, that's totally different than just a tick mark from destiny. It doesn't mean anything. Um, and if you just do stuff like that, you will motivate your future self or rather your future self will have certain regrets and will be reminded and will be prompted from your present self. Um, and I've talked about this and you've experienced this and and it is uh, strange that whenever you are, you direct, even if you directly experience things that might be motivating, you, <laughs> what, you, you, you would make for a good 85 year old retired guy, <laughs> just like chilling out, doing them kind of the same stuff, like waiting, just waiting, right? A very boring person that just waits. And that's, you're becoming something like that, or you have always been that. Um, and you have these highlights of exciting stuff and not enough to brag about, which I think might be the, 
might be the thing that we can do to get you talking on this show. In person, you were totally awesome. You were really good. Have you listened to any of the, um, any of our, what are, what are we calling it? The early files? Any of the pre-shows? Have you listened to any of that stuff? No. You should consider it. I mean, well, it's not an eat your own dog food kind of thing. Because that's a, that's a good argument, right? Um, but in, in terms of um, getting a feel for what that version of you, because that is still you. And theoretically speaking, it's at least the same you. And maybe you're a bit better just because you're a little bit older. Not because you've practiced, but some things you just, you just get better at. Um, clearly if you practice, you will probably get better than if you just sit around. Just some, I intuit that this is the case. Um, but if you were to listen to some of our, our early stuff, that might motivate you to like, I really, the, the middle of the night podcast around the, the table with a low echoey quality, I think that might actually be worth pursuing. <laughs> And I know enough to do audio treatment that I could probably do audio treatment up upstairs in that strange space, um, to, to deal with audio quality issues, but having us in person, I mean, you might be inspired to really push for that because, because you were having a lot of fun. You're paying attention now. You're, I mean, I, I was insisting on something being visual. So yeah, I guess it's my fault that you're playing games, but you were playing games before just like on a tablet or whatever, as opposed to being there and engaged, which would be, that would be so awesome. I have a dream. I have a dream, but we have people that are light sleepers and are angry light sleepers. Uh, even lighter sleeper than I am, which is really shocking. Um, which I, so I know this one guy and I'm, he's a, He's an actual legit heavy sleeper, which I've met a few people that are like that. And it's not like they're nice. He's actually out. He's out cold. And I don't, I cannot comprehend that as a thing that, that actually kind of, I, it, were that to happen to me, I would be quite upset. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of very defensive. Even when I'm sleeping, I'm not really all the way sleeping. I'm a very sleeping near in, in the land of tigers kind of thing. I'm just like, there might be panthers in the trees and I'm, I'm just, I'm a very light sleeper. And, uh, it baffles me that there are people that are actually legitimate heavy sleepers and they wake up when they wake, they wake up when they're done and an alarm clock will wake them up. But like a person talking just nearby, nope. Um, somebody watching a movie nearby, nope. And I, I actually engage this guy. I'm like, well, why, how, <laughs> I don't, this is so strange. It is such a strange thing. He's like, well, I grew up, I grew up in, uh, like a lot of people, if you've got a, a sibling or something like that. So he's got a brother and he grew up with his brother and they shared the same bedroom when they were young and his brother snored. So that's the, that's the trick is he grew up, um, with, with snoring near him. And that's how he ended up evolving into a heavy sleeper. And I've heard of, so I, 
I've listened to all kinds of advice and stuff like this, and it was not a, not a, I don't know what the terms would be. So this is not like a, uh, a nursemaid or something like that. This is not a, um, a, the heck is the term, like the babysitter type. It's not advice from that. It was actually advice from a psychologist of all things. And he was talking about raising children. And it's, it wasn't a specialty or anything like that, but he was bringing up a rather interesting point, which is, um, cause he, that was his field and he looked a little bit into stuff cause he was raising his children. And so he, he was trying to, trying to do better, try to be a better parent from using his specialty. So he was using the lens and doing the research through psychology to understand how he can do his best. And he, and there's a whole bunch of nuances that I, that I learned at least his, from his research, from what he experienced, things like this. But one of the things that he had talked about, um, is, um, you, when you've got like, like a baby, baby, a proper baby in a crib, um, you don't want to have that baby sleep in a silent environment because what you end up with is a sensitive baby that's used to sleeping in silence, which isn't a thing in the real world. And that, uh, that effect will stick that pro what it's a problem will stick as the baby grows into a child, into an adult eventually. Right. If that, does that happen? I think that happens still, or that has happened. It might not anymore. And you end up with, uh, a, suffering while well, the, the person suffers all through life by being very sensitive and whether or not their personality adapts into dealing with it is different, right? That that's something totally different. The problem still is that will be a light sleeper. So I might be cool enough as long as people are being respectful. If they make noise, well, if they make sound, if they make noise, I'll be mad, right? Cause noise is different, but I'm still a light sleeper. Nothing's changing that. Uh, a lot of people are coping and they're using medicines of whatever sort you want to talk about. They're, they're sleeping pills or right. Melatonin is another one. Um, warm milk and a light carbohydrate. So like a cracker or something and warm milk, not, not too hot. Um, like an hour before. And some people have a nice shower and, or have an evening thing or working out, uh, several hours before bedtime and all these kinds of things. But it, it, it's strange that a person that is exposed to noise as, as a baby, or even as a youth will become something else will become a heavy sleeper and the brain can actually turn off and it's not them being nice. It's, it's not it being less aggravating, it is they're they're out. And so the solution the psych, psychologist, psychologist was saying is, um, to have the radio on in the, in the room, um, and human voices and music and this kind of stuff and make it erratic, right? Make it unpredictable, not like lullabies and, and stuff, not soothing stuff, but traffic noise or <laughs> whatever. And being, being alive is tiring. So a baby's going to eventually kind of get tired and kind of sleep, even if it's in pieces. New parents are going to know this kind of, I'm really sorry. Babies are like that. 
You're not going to get much sleep because baby's kind of like, uh, they're like some weird version of a cat where they're, they'll be alive and awake and hungry and wanting attention, all this kind of stuff. And they'll be kind of tired when they want to be tired. And it, they're, the cycles of whatever the heck are not particularly predictable. Um, so, so life can be hard for a parent. But having just this as uh, the background stuff uh, really helps so that the kid will be, um, will sleep more soundly, essentially. So that's just parenting advice, <laughs> parenting advice. There's a lot more to know, but yeah, that's actually a good idea. It's too late for me. There's something called, um, most people will call it white noise. That's actually the wrong term. White noise is... Uh, not that anybody has one of these anymore. So if you had a, an old CRT monitor, so a CRT TV, so this is the traditional kind of bubble faced boxes. Um, maybe if you see one of these 1970s movies, you get to look at one of these, the, they use a cathode ray tube and they, they, well, whatever, I'm not going to explain the technology at any rate. What happens when it's not tuned to a useful channel is it still, it's still alive. It's still active. It's still a piece of electronics. Um, and it creates an image. It creates an image, not out of the signal that it's getting, cause it's not getting one. It creates something that is, it's been described to me and I, this is wrong. So you need to look this up. It was described to me as essentially a projection of the background radiation of the birth of the universe. So that it's, random and there's actually sound associated with that just because the it's the static that's projected out into the in, that happens to be available to be picked up on and i don't fully understand how this stuff works and if that fascinates you go look it up it's neat but you can like i said semi-randomly but you can randomly generate static and that is white noise that's not what makes people comfortable going to sleep that, that's not what people are talking about. They're talking about, um, nice, calming, repetitive stuff. Now, some people, uh, they will, they, they will go towards music and there's a bunch of, like, if you need, like, what would it be called? Like not yodeling. I want to say yodeling, yodeling monks, but, uh, you know, there's, there's the orchestral, um, acoustic type of, of, it might be religious. I don't know in some other language kind of thing where you will have that kind of echoey airy. There's a, a kind of velvety nature to the voices. Some people will go to sleep with that, but that's not white noise, right? Um, there is something else called pink noise and pink noise is something like rain, uh, rain and people will respond to this very differently. So, uh, I can't stand thunder, for example. So if I were to try to relax, I would love rain sounds. That's great. It actually has to be remarkably quiet because I get more, I get hypersensitive when I'm really tired, when I'm really asleep, when I'm really down there. And, uh, I don't have like a remote control for my audio or anything like that, which would be awesome. So as you're going, it might, you might think of having it at a certain volume when you're going to bed. But as you're asleep, as you're kind of in between, if you're a light sleeper, you're kind of in between, you would need to be really, really, really quiet, um, which, which is strange to get used to. But uh, that is pink noise. And some people 
they actually like rain on a tin roof, which nails on a chalkboard to me some people like occasional other sounds that are in there some people like jungle sounds and you will find on youtube like 10 hours of rain and it's just looped in certain places but it might be a good hour and a half before it loops and if you're sleeping you're hopefully not going to notice one of the loops and tries it it's fairly well stitched together and there's all kinds of variations there's also a what i think it's worth me looking it up right now so i can talk about it right now i think it's called rainymood.com yeah where it's an auto-generated sound for uh rain yeah exactly and it's, it's not a, automatic it's just it's an endless loop it from whatever its sources are right and it's got a bunch of fader sliders that will uh, fade in certain other effects depending on what you're what relaxes you or what interests you and some people will put that on that requires a net connection so i would i would recommend downloading this stuff and having your computer so that <laughs> I'm, I'm just the type you know i want it to be backed up locally and i don't want to have to rely on an internet connection and i don't want to have to stream this stuff if you have considerations for bandwidth then you want to do this stuff but pink noise like that uh, is reported to help people sleep now there are also the separate offline boxes that you can purchase. They're kind of like a radio and they, they might actually have settings in it that will produce these sounds. Uh, I was looking at getting that, but then I realized I had a phone. So <laughs> why, why, why do these things exist anymore? I don't know for old people, I guess. Uh, and they were actually quite expensive. And you imagine paying paying more than half the price of a budget phone for a radio and yeah it's kind of neat and cool but it is retro and it is not something that's very a very efficient use of money um and i'm learning more and more of that it's like why do certain things when i have a phone i just no i can't stand using a phone i'd rather have separate i don't want to have too much in the same thing but for certain things that aren't really important to me uh, if I can do it with the phone real quick, yeah, I'll just do that. Um, Minion, you were saying at one point you were asking me, cause I own all kinds of really weird stuff. I got like the strangest junk bin. Um, I just, I was buying a bunch of interesting stuff from China all the time. Uh, less so these days for, because reasons, but, uh, you were asking if I had a tuning fork, <laughs> like what, why, why would I, I, I was actually thinking of getting one. <laughs> a specific attuning listening device for a flute of all things just to understand if it's it would if it was properly tuned to because i had it made and i wanted to make sure that it was actually made in the way that i desired because it was i had a tune so i've got a, something called a shakuhachi so i've got a japanese a woodwind and a flute and uh, i actually had it made differently and so uh, I, I actually wanted to get a device that would like listen to it and just see if the notes were Western in the way that I was requesting. And the, uh, it turns out you can just use your phone. <laughs> like, of course you can use your phone. You can use your phone as a tone generator. You can use your phone as a listening device. You can Give me a break. Just playing this game. Yeah, it's annoying. Oh, I think it's still on. Oops. What? Your microphone? 
Yeah, so you're going to be hearing a lot of the clicking. Yes, it's annoying as I forgot to turn it off. My audio engineering is... My future self is going to hate you, just like my past audio engineering self hates you. And, yeah, you need to... Um, oh, and anyway, we're, we're in the last couple of minutes. Um, wow. Oh, I keep forgetting to talk about the Mac related stuff. So, wow. Um, in two minutes. Okay. So Apple made a bunch of really drastic changes to their hardware, which required really drastic changes to their software. And that all, that all happened. <laughs> it all happened and it came out and their new stuff is so intriguing that I actually did look at getting one of their laptops. Specifically, they've got a fanless laptop, which is really impressive to me because I never, because that's a moving part. And I would never think that Apple would get rid of that because they want a moving part so that, so that it will break down because they build their stuff to, they, they manufacture products that do not last and they do that on purpose. And yes, I have proof of all that. And so, but I was looking at this fanless thing and the first thing I look at is I look at the keyboard layout. I look at that and I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's, I will not even consider certain laptops, no matter how good the specs are or the warranty, the manufacturer or anything. I, I don't care. I look at the keyboard. If the keyboard is no good, if it's not recognizable, it's got keys in dumb places and stuff like this. Um, I, I just won't get it. I don't care if it's on sale. It doesn't matter. And Apple's keyboards are perfect. Perfect, perfect. I mean, obviously you have the dumb Apple key, right? Okay, well, whatever. It's a dumb Windows key, so uh, same thing, I guess. But uh, I was thinking about it, thinking about it. Um, And I could talk about more about the underlying technology and why I might be interested in it. But I might be able to run a virtual machine on it. I've got a guy who's going to be doing some testing on that, hopefully. And I don't think he's going to get hold of me when he does it. He's just going to put it out, so I need to go pay attention to it bookmark his stuff. I think, I think I forgot. <laughs> I just go look, uh, t- cause if it works well with a virtual machine, I could put Linux on it. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to run the same games I want on it, but I don't know if I care anymore. I mean, like I'll have a separate desktop and I'll just use this laptop for all kind. like, I'll be an audio nerd cause all the audio nerds use it. Apple, <laughs> maybe I'll do that. So we are done. We are done for today. We're going to be back in one week. This has changed into a Sundays only show. We might change it into a, a Friday, maybe a Saturday thing. And then you can like know life with us and just chat. And that might be more appropriate because we have people that will work on Monday. Uh, it's, it's a little weird these days because, you know, maybe it's working from home on Monday and things are a little bit different. So you're a little bit, you would be forgiving for staying up late. For, for listening to this because we are pretty late for some for east coasters right well okay so this has been 2012 27 episode 36 of lucid indifference that's lucidindifference.com thank you for joining us we'll be back in a week i'll see you guys real soon